Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. It's Valentine's week and uh, to celebrate, uh, we have a, a special edition all dudes episode. That was not intentional. Uh, Nerd Bomber is under the weather. So we, we wish her well, uh, of course. Uh, feel free to reach out to her on the social meds and, and, and send her your positive antibodies. Until then, though, I'm Illegal86 as always, and I'm joined by my good friend, Tectic. Hello, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. I had quite um, the week, and I hope all of you had too. Have, have you been uh, nursing uh, Nerd Bomber back to health, or is she still on the on the decline? It's funny that you ask if I've been update. nursing. I've been trying to nurse her back to health, but she's been very, I could do this. I'm, I, I can handle myself. I'm, I'm a smoker from Brooklyn kind of attitude. <laughs> See, you know, it's funny. When a couple weeks ago, my girlfriend got sick and pretty much the same thing. I mean, I did like help, but like she and it was like a stomach flu thing for her, which I don't think that's what Nerd Bomber has. But she like essentially quarantined herself. She was like and and not not for my the benefit of my health either. It was more like I'm going to go through this by myself and ride this out. And I was like, all right, uh, I'm here if you need me. Women are tough, man. They're, they're tough as nails. Uh, but we, I, try, when we I, try to give give back, right? Be good men. We do. And, and I, you know, I'll say for my for myself, when I'm sick, I, I need help. I am a giant <laughs> baby when I'm sick. It's like I, yeah. the world is falling in on itself. I'm, I'm glad we have that in common because I've been ruthlessly made fun of uh, by my girlfriend for that. And I think I've only been really sick like once in her presence. And she was like, I think she might have actually said at one point, this is pathetic. And um but we're only sick once every hundred years so like give us a break we're allowed to be babies she had stomach flu she was like spewing uh, bodily fluids everywhere and my immune system held up so you know once every year uh, maybe even not that often once every year and a half or so i get really sick and and my body takes it hard and uh, i'm not going to apologize for it but we're not just here to talk about our immune systems uh we got a great show lined up for you guys as usual uh we're going to be talking about um samsung's big reveal today that the the flip z i believe it's called and we're going to also be talking a little bit about uh, uh the new razor um and just this this new generation of flip phones which we've talked about before but we're going to kind of revisit that we're going to be talking about uh birds of prey because that opened up this past week weekend and um we're going to tell you how that's doing hint hint it's not that great and um then we're gonna we're gonna kind of move into what Tectic has been calling the public service announcement of the episode. I, I won't broach that topic until we get to it. But but let's start off with kind of the big news of today and um, the day that we're recording this. Um, Samsung had their big event today uh, where they unveiled. It's actually called the Z Flip. So I, I mixed up Flip and Z. The Galaxy Z Flip, um, which is it's actually its second folding phone. I don't remember or. I don't know if I've even seen the first one, but uh, this was a big unveil today. I believe the list is thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars, just about. And Samsung is. So I'm going to run through some of the details here. Uses a bendable, quote unquote, ultra thin glass display, and this, uh, Samsung says the new glass will last for two hundred thousand folds. Which I, I want to talk about that number a little bit. Back when you had a flip phone, I don't know how long you had it. I don't know what, how long you had your last flip phone. How many times would you say you flipped it? Because for me it's definitely over that number. <laughs> like, I feel like I had to flip that phone a million times. So let's assume that I take it, like, in one year, you've got to at least open and close it 365 times, times 50 times a day. So call it oh, so 15,000 easily. And what was the a number year. you said? 200? 200,000. So in that, in that case, you'd have it, you'd be able to have it for like, what, 
over over 10 years i think I, years. I actually think that's a good number then it's important yeah. to math these things uh, when you put it that way but like see the, the 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 part of your calculation that i take issue with is the 50 times a day because i mean I, and i'm the kind of person that i will flip it idly not for a specific reason but i'll just be flipping it yeah you know like how you hold a pen you click a pen it's like the same thing it's just like a nervous tick kind of thing so i think i would struggle with this Um, so i could have seen myself doing it however it's got a front-facing screen a tiny one but it's got one that is used to show notifications if that wasn't there i'd be flipping it open checking all the time that in my opinion is its saving grace to call it flipification so yeah, we we should talk about about generally the form factor and, and how the front looks, but just to kind of run down some more of the specs. Um, 6.7 inch OLED display, eight gigabytes of RAM, 256 gigabytes of storage, and a three thirty three hundred milliamp dual battery. I have no idea how good that is. Two 12 megapixel cameras on the back, uh, a regular wide angle and an ultra wide angle. The phone does not support 5G, uh, which kind of surprises me a little bit and as i said uh goes on sale for 13 1380 dollars which seems like a strange price point uh for sale this friday february 14th so get it for your sweetheart if you're the richest person in the world but yeah looking at some of these photos uh and we kind of talked about this a little bit before coming on the air how not great the non-screen side like when it's closed it's it looks like a a great look it's ugly you said it looks like a beeper. I'm not even sure. Like, I, don't, I guess I don't really know what beepers look like. So I don't, I, it's harder for me to draw that comparison, but like, it's just not much, like, it's not much to look at. And, and the other uh, flip phone that I mentioned, uh, of course, uh, is the Motorola Razor, which also came out, I think, pretty recently. When you look at the front of the Motorola Razor, it is very reminiscent of the original Razor. Like, there's a front to it. Like, when you're looking at it when it's closed, it looks like something. When you're looking at the Flip Z when it's closed, it just looks like you took a smartphone and you folded it in half. And I don't think that's super great. It's worth noting that the Razer didn't get great, hasn't gotten very good reviews. Apparently, you can see the crease in the screen, which is it's something we talked about. I think the last time we talked about foldable phones, I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around just how the foldable glass works. I mean, it can't be glass, right? It has to be plastic. They call it glass. But is it really glass? I couldn't tell you, but I mean, going back and forth between the two, the Galaxy Z Flip invested a lot in that hinge feature and the thinness of the glass to make sure that the crease is virtually unnoticeable. And it seems that razor on that face kind of fell short. And and in my opinion, and I'm kind of getting ahead of you because I know you're going to rattle off the specs, it kind of fell short on almost all of the specs when compared to the Galaxy Z Flip, aside from the camera. Yeah, so I, well, I actually don't have the specs uh, for the Razer in front of me. Well, I will say 6.2-inch FlexView OLED screen. So actually a slightly slightly larger screen. The camera, I don't know. It was 16 megapixels. So yeah, camera that six, is 16 megapixels. The RAM is 6 gigabytes, slightly less. The storage is 128 gigabytes, slightly less. No wireless charging, no expandable storage, no headphone jack. And yes, granted, the other one doesn't have a headphone jack either, which, guys, stop going backwards. I want my headphone jack. Well, going, I mean, yeah, the headphone, taking away the headphone jack, so you're saying that is going backwards. I mean, they took the headphone jack away a while ago, right? That's not yeah, a new thing. And, and I get Bluetooth. I would like it back. So I mean, I guess in, in the way we're going, we don't really need headphone jacks from a headphone standpoint. However, the no expandable storage, that's just a total Apple move, and, and I don't subscribe. I mean, yeah, I, 
the razor and also it's worth noting something you didn't mention one more spec the razor is fifteen hundred dollars so it's even more expensive i mean i don't know i've had an iphone 6 for gosh gotta be getting close to five years at this point maybe even longer than that i have no plans to to upgrade especially not for that price point like if i'm going to get a new phone i'm going to get a phone that is no more than a thousand even if i paid a thousand dollars i wouldn't feel good about it and here's here's the the interesting part about this whole thing in the same time frame samsung also released the s20 which their base model has 64 megapixels on the camera it's got 5g 8k video 128 gigabytes of ram 12 gigabytes of video footage uh, sorry of storage bluetooth share and it has all this crazy stuff and then guess what the base model is only a thousand, so it's cheaper than the flip right. phone. So it just—I don't know who was deciding the market price points relative to each other, and it just—it doesn't make sense to me. The Galaxy Flip should be kind of cheaper because it—it it looks more kind of gimmicky. It's not really like this. It's not supposed to be this high technology stuff thing. It's really the glass and the hinge that's this breakthrough thing. Everything else is kind of status quo. Well, and you, and you, yeah, you you said it exactly. Like you're paying this enormous upcharge for just the novelty of of the flip which i'm kind of and i've been skeptical every time we've talked about the the resurgence of flip phones is like there's a nostalgia factor associated with flipping a phone there's no doubt and there's a satisfaction associated with the actual action that bad boy hard exactly And, and and that's a huge deal but like even considering those two things how much do we as a society really want it back i'm i'm skeptical of that i don't i mean if the price was right i certainly it wouldn't be a it wouldn't hurt but I'm also not going to pay more for it. I also want to mention too, uh, this review that I'm reading about the Razer specifically mentions multiple times, the hinge is creaky, <laughs> which like, I just, I don't know. I think that's so funny. Um, that's a technical term. Creaky? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing like when you open your phone to answer a call, it's like opening up an, a door in like a haunted house. Like it's really, really creaky. But I don't know. I mean, the, the consensus I've seen about the Razer is either that it's not good or that it's just, it's even if it is kind of good, it's not worth $1,500. And obviously the Flip Z, we don't know yet because it, it literally was just revealed today. It's not even out yet. But I, I just don't know. I mean, like you said, why wouldn't you just buy a G20, which has 5G and all these better features? So for less, even even that overall, with all of these phone reveals, I'm highly underwhelmed because this the S20, they highly invested into, you know, let's give them the a great, great camera and video and uh, photo quality. But oh, OK, that I mean, the technology is really not that breakthrough. And yes, the flip was the breakthrough. But why did you then take away all of the other cool features? So if they right. were really going to kind of lead the charge with this, don't take away stuff you have to add just continuous adding it's not it's not a give and take if and if you can't do that don't even bother releasing it it's just not worth it well and you said it perfectly with the when you were talking about the headphone jack it's like it's pretty simple just don't go backwards and this is in every way except for the flip going backwards so so i'm I'm skeptical i wouldn't be surprised at all if this thing flops and maybe you know we 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 got the galaxy fold initially we got the motorola razor and now we have the z flip maybe one of these will shoot the moon one thing i know for sure is that whatever my next phone is i'm not going to buy a phone that doesn't have 5g because 5g is going to be the next thing and i feel like it's i feel like we're very close to 5g like 5g is already being rolled out so why would you get a phone that doesn't have it let alone one that's worth 1500 dollars apparently and can I just say something? This this might be an unpopular opinion, Please. but this is just my own opinion. If we're going to talk about a sexy flip, wouldn't you think the vertical fold is much 
sexier and sleeker than the horizontal fold. Okay, hold on a second. You're saying that their fold direction is wrong on the Z Flip? You'd fold it hot dog style, not hamburger style? Well, picture the way that 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 you would fold it and then just casually kind of slip it into your breast pocket. It would literally be like a pen. Like a pen? Yes. You know, gosh, I've never thought about that before. It it would Um, fit in pockets better. It would... It would allow you. It would not be this clunky brick. It would, and it would just look sexier. I just, I don't know. I'm a hashtag the vertical flip. So there could, yeah. This or, is a good opportunity. Let us know on on the social media. Hit us up on the social media and let us know whether you want a phone with a hot dog style flip or hamburger style flip. And if you don't know what I mean, better by hashtag that, hashtag the hot dog phone. <laughs> I mean that you you're familiar with that term, right? That was like an elementary school thing. Teachers would tell you to fold the paper hot dog style or hamburger style. No, I didn't go to McDonald's uh, School of Education, but sure. Oh, well, you missed out. McNuggets 101 was was wild. I Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've never thought about it. Every time I've looked at a phone, a new flip phone like this, that flip just seems natural. But I, I, there's, there could be, A, there could be a hardware reason. B, it could be so that the crease, because like when you have a crease just in the middle, going across the middle of the screen uh, horizontally, there are ways that like you can avoid that crease right like with, with certain apps can be like oh let's avoid the crease put all our things up here down here and like avoid the crease when it's going right down the middle vertically you can't really avoid it and i don't know I, like i don't know if samsung is thinking with developers in mind they're probably not but I, this is a good point and uh we want to hear from you the listeners uh on our social meds uh at ow legal 86 at ow tactic and uh, at ow nerbomber even though she's she's uh fallen ill i'm sure she'd love to hear from you are you a hot dog phone person or a hamburger phone person? Hashtag the vertical flip. Hashtag horizontal flip. Hashtag hot dog flip. <laughs> I don't know. How many hashtags do you want to throw at this? So many hashtags. So I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about this. I am super skeptical. I also don't know. I mean, how well did the Galaxy Fold even do? Do we, do we, I, don't, I don't have the answer to that in front of me, but apparently it did well enough for the Flip Z to come out and apparently be this like flagship thing that Samsung was unveiling um maybe it's just in the interest of competition with motorola or maybe they just really want to make this work because they've sunk so much r&d into it i mean i i like the the idea of outside thinking i just like i said i it always goes back to give us more don't don't play this checks and balances nonsense it's just yeah at the end of the day it's it's a user experience thing right like am i going to get more as a user out of being able to flip my phone open and closed or like having twice as much memory and a camera that's twice as good i feel like it's the latter Uh, yeah i don't want my friends to look like (laughs) potatoes in my photos that's kind of important to me but hey all my friends might look like potatoes in real life i'll never tell that's true too and you know maybe a potato looks better when you're looking at it on a flip phone versus on a regular phone Mm. hashtag potato phone (laughs) so uh (laughs) so uh, we're going to leave it there with the flip phones, but uh, yeah, do, do hit us up and let us know, um, especially if you're planning on buying one of these. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, but uh, in general, maybe we'll see more of these in the future or less. Uh, time and the market will tell. Let's move on now and, and talk a little bit about Birds of Prey. So Birds of Prey, uh, obviously one of the biggest openings at the box office this past weekend, actually did finish number one finished with 33 million domestically now it was projected to earn 50 between 50 and 55 million in its opening weekend underperformed and it's actually dc's worst opening ever so there's a lot to talk about here um i think we i I think i'd like to try to diagnose what went wrong here because uh 
if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes scores and you look at the general critical consensus, people like it. People think the film is very good. I don't know about audiences, but critics say, yeah, it's great. Go see it. And yet here we are and it's underperforming and its budget was reported the 82 million. So it's, you know, it's probably going to, well, I don't want to say it's probably going to, it may bomb uh, is my point. I, now, I think they'll break you, even, honestly. And, and yeah, but for a, a superhero you know, supposedly a tentpole movie, you know, it's a, it's a comic book franchise. It's supposed to do better than that. Is this what finally makes Warner Brothers pull the plug on this? I really doubt it, but um, I don't know. You, you, you mentioned to me that you, you saw this. Yes. So I think that it's going to do better because of the title change, honestly. And that sounds ridiculous, but I think the title incorrectly portrayed what the movie was actually about. I think the decision to change it to Harley Quinn Birds of Prey was very, very important because it was really a movie showcasing the main character, Harley Quinn, what's going on in her mind. And then she kind of meets her ragtag team of misfits, hashtag Birds of Prey, in the very end. So much hashtagging. Yeah, so much. And what's really great about this movie is the lessons learned from the first one were taken and used here. And that's Margot Robbie is a great Harley Quinn. Everyone loved Harley Quinn. Everyone hated everything else. So let's just right. focus on Harley Quinn. So by the first one, you mean uh, Suicide Squad. Correct. I do want to, you, you mentioned the, the title, what the title was changed to, which you said Harley Quinn Birds of Prey is what the movie is now called, which changing a title after release is a pretty unprecedented move uh, in general. The initial title was Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Now that last, everything but the Birds of Prey is in parentheses. I don't, you, you seem to think that they changed the title to what it is because they wanted to bank on Harley Quinn being a likable character, especially as she's uh, envisioned by Margot Robbie. I think they might have just changed the title because the initial title is stupidly long. I mean, it does mention Harley Quinn, but not until the very end. People literally might not read that long, right? Yeah. Um. So, so, so you think that they just put Harley Quinn right at the front because that's what the movie is really about. I would have even went one step further and just called it Harley Quinn or even Quinn would have been a neat title. Right. Go the Joker route, basically. Now, that said, I don't think it was a perfect movie. Black Mass character certainly could have been further developed. It was basically, hey, we got some bad guys. We need to make a real bad guy so that no one likes this bad guy. And they didn't really touch on his character at all. And for those of you who don't know anything about Black Mask, well, I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory. I'd like that. So Black Mask was... You might even call it a black story. Was, uh, was from a wealthy family. He was neglected as a child from parents who who only cared about their status. And that was it. So... If some kind of issue would happen through to their neglecting parents, like let's say this is actually what happened. He got attacked by a raccoon. They would hide that because, oh, they don't want people to think that they're bad people. They don't want their image to be tarnished. So right. there's a metaphor there, right? He hated the the mask that they wore in the public eye to show that they were these loving, great people. And then so he built resentment for them and ultimately ended up burning down his house and killing both of his parents. Then that led him to taking over the family business. And this is where his story kind of gets corny. He invested in a black mask face paint company for makeup and just rushed it to market. And that product horribly disfigured many women. And so that tarnished his reputation in a fit of rage. He spiraled and just said, screw it. I'm going to become the black mask because that metaphor again. He always, his story always just goes back to, you know, this mask, his parents mask, this 
literal black mask product. I mean, all of those things could have been more heavily done and probably done better from a cinematic stance and made you hate, but also kind of feel for the real bad guy. So he didn't get enough of backstory is what is part of what your diagnosis that's, that's is. That's part of it, but it, I, I'm kind of circling back with his story is a bit of a challenge to make seem badass because it's also kind of whiny. But the, and then the biggest, biggest complaint that I had is the plot. And I <laughs> I know I'm saying big that. Complaint. <laughs> yeah, I know saying that it's a good movie because it was a good movie if you focused on Harley. When you add the villain side of it, the plot is is literally this. Kid pickpocketed a, a diamond from a real bad guy, and the movie was, was about the real bad guy trying to get his diamond back. How many times has that been done where someone shouldn't have took something they took, and then now he's mad? Right. That, that, I mean, that, that's been done time and time again, and it's, it's nothing original. It's, it's weak, and there's just—I would have just focused on Harley because people love— that's why Joker did so well. They like going into the brain of psychopaths. Maybe even just one. Yeah, maybe even just focusing on one character instead of, you know, I I think this is another example. Um, I didn't see it, so I can't really diagnose what might have gone wrong with it, or even marketing wise, what went wrong with it. But I think this is maybe another example, the latest one of DC saying we're going to skip a lot of origin story and just throw as many characters in a movie as we can. And that results in things that are not as insightful as character studies like Which Joker, is, and are and you know and, and Joker granted is a totally different comic movie comic book movie than every other comic book movie. But if right, you so want, let's an talk Endgame, about another comic book movie though. Shazam did awesome, and they dove full head into his backstory. Well, and that's what I'm saying is that these movies need to do that instead of just saying, we're going to throw every single character we can. And I've been saying this since I saw Justice League, which I did see Justice League and I didn't like it. Like DC wants DC wants the uh, the Avengers without having to earn them. And it's hard for me to look at this and see it failing and not think it's just another example of that syndrome. Another thing we should talk about, though, is the fact that this got an R rating and and that's still... You know, besides Joker and and Deadpool, that's still kind of an uncommon approach, and oh, and Logan too. I should mention, it's an uncommon approach to these this genre of, of movie. Do you think, regardless of of having seen the movie and, and saying how the movie was, do you think that could be a component to why it's not doing as well? Do you think Harley Quinn, the demographic of people that like Harley Quinn, do you think it's it's too young for an R rated movie? I honestly think this movie easily could have been PG-13, and the R rating is is more of a gimmick than anything. It, it, it didn't, the content didn't really per se add that much that made it, oh, this, this, this is, this was, this was way Make too... gritty. Yeah, it just, I mean, no one really got murder murdered from Harley, like, directly. There were some scenes where she was shooting fake bullets at cops and not really killing them. I mean, yes, yeah, she blew up a factory, but it didn't really say, "Hey, there's workers here." We just—I'm just going to assume it was an empty factory. Let's let's just, for my sanity's sake, say there was no innocent bystanders in there. Everyone's okay. Well, and, and I do have to bring up one specific thing though, because I, I again I didn't see the movie, and if you are planning on going to see this, turn your volume down for like 20 seconds. Did you hear about the grenade part? Because I heard that part was like really gross, and that was like the main reason it got an R rating. It's like, like it didn't add anything. It, okay, so well, you're saying it wasn't integral to the story. It didn't have to be. I think the just the mental inside of what's going on in Harley is, and yeah, that's part of that seems part of it. But 
all in all, I, I could have went without it and, and gone that another route with, with her uh, psychosis and easily still been PG-13. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, it, and again, it's hard for me to... I feel like what DC is doing, what Warner Brothers is doing, is they're looking at things that Marvel is doing well. They're looking at Avengers. They're looking at Deadpool. They're looking at Logan. And granted, Logan and Deadpool are X-Men properties, but you get the idea. They're looking at these things and they're saying, wow, those did so great. You know, critically, they were great. And, and, and they made, in the case of Avengers, like billions of dollars. We can get all of that at once if we do all of those things. And that's not how it works. I, I don't know. I don't want to claim that they're that stupid or short-sighted, but they keep doing it, is my point. I actually think that they're trying to more align with the, the animated movies that have been pumped out for IDC, where they have really super gruesome, dark moments, and then there's Harley Quinn being Harley Quinn and, and adding some comic relief. But it just, for me, it, it doesn't fit in this regime. I think you have to kind of attack the broader spectrum, and you can... St- still have a wide range audience and be dark um i just i just feel like they haven't kind of tapped into that potential yet and it and and it's sad because it's right there it's just they don't know quite how to execute it i guess right and well and, and you keep mentioning harley quinn and how great a character she is my primary exposure to harley quinn is uh the arkham games and she is great in those games you know, for, for being essentially my first exposure to the character, she was reasonably developed. She was interesting to watch, you know, when you're watching and not playing the game. And, and knowing Margot Robbie for what she is, it is hard for me to equate. And, and also knowing like what you said about Suicide Squad, where she was fairly widely acclaimed as, as the best part of it. It's hard for me to imagine a movie that she headlines not doing better than this. So I I think that is part of the reason why I kind of wanted to talk about this and try to diagnose what went wrong. That sort of thing is hard to do, especially if you're me and you haven't seen the movie. But um, I don't know, like having seen it, would you recommend it? Would you recommend people get its box office numbers up or would you recommend waiting to go for it to go to rental? Or, you know, I, I don't know what your utility was. I would I would honestly wait for it to go to rental. Something something more that would get me excited would have been the the scene that we saw in Suicide Squad where the progression of her just slowly going into psychosis with her relationship with the Joker, her going in the vat, that should have been a movie in itself. Right. As opposed to kind of this weird inside of harley quinn and then the previous introduction to harley quinn because she's such a great character margot robbie does such a great job portraying her i literally can't think of another actor that would do a better job actress that would do a better job and it just she's always just placed in a weak plot and it just seems crappy (laughs) yeah i couldn't think of a better word it's and, and we're at a, I'm at a point with DC where and I, I haven't seen Shazam, but I'm at a point where I'm wondering what they can do right because even Aquaman did very well for them and it was fairly well acclaimed and I saw it and I really didn't like it so at, at this point it's a tough sell for me to to go see a DC movie in general and maybe that's another reason why why this suffered because from a marketing standpoint it has the main piece which is it has harley quinn and and being portrayed by such a talented actress but 
people aren't going to see it. And maybe that's because they're thinking, oh, well, I saw Batman vs. Superman. It was bad. And I saw Justice League and it was bad. And Shazam was good, but this looks like another ensemble movie like Suicide Squad, which wasn't that good. So at this point, DC, it's going to get harder and harder for them, I think. Whereas, you know, with Marvel, and I hate to keep drawing this comparison, but with them, it's the opposite story where you might get fatigued from all the movies that they have, but you know you you kind of know what you're going to get and you know you you see another one come out and you're like ah well you know it's going to be a marvel movie and i'm going to get some kind of some kind of enjoyment out of it so i'm going to go see it i hate to keep going back to this but for me personally i've kind of gotten spoiled with how good the dc comics and animated films were and i just nothing ever compares whereas with the marvel side of it and the avengers and that it always felt too childish and too kitty and too like foo-foo for me to really enjoy so the movie cinematic version was the live action was kind of refreshing and exciting and new i don't think me being a purist on that sense will ever be able to enjoy them as much as i enjoy the more comic book side of it well and and i you've mentioned probably on the air a few times that i should watch uh, the killing joke and i still haven't but it's actually it's on Netflix now, and I've I've like I've actually scrolled by it a couple of times. It's not until I like I have to like dig deep to even scroll by it, but it's there and it's available for me to watch. And I know you've recommended that to me. Um, I, it's probably safe to say you'd recommend it to to any of the listeners. But that one is, as far as I remember, quite dark. And that's kind of what you're talking about here. Also, Batman Under the Red Hood. Just saying, super good. So there you have it. Don't go watch Birds of Prey. Uh, Go watch these animated uh, movies instead, at least one of which is on Netflix. I don't know about the Red Hood one. So we'll see if if Birds of Prey bounces back at all. If word of because if it's, if it's actually a good movie, maybe word of mouth will spur it from an initially bad uh, marketing stance. But um, for now, let's have to wait and see. I will say it's kind of a spoiler. I believe I put it in my fantasy movie league this week, which I actually set my lineup for the first time in a while, but I, feel like I didn't do very well. So we'll see what happens. But before we get to that and before we get to the rest of the show, there is one more topic that we would like to discuss with all of you. And that's, of course, uh, that Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, at the time this episode airs, uh, Valentine's Day will be two days away. And as as men, we thought it, we, we felt it appropriate to talk about the Valentine's Day experience and uh, give a little PSA. And I know Tectic feels very strongly about this, so I'm going to turn it over to him to start. And yeah, just go go for it, man. So whomever your loved one is, whoever you feel fond of, be sure to do something. And I, and that doesn't mean put a car payment down on a dinner. That means something. It could be. It could cost you literally nothing. It's the thought that counts. Take have a a little picnic. Get a get some flowers. Pick some flowers. And and I know it's it's winter time, so that's going to be kind of difficult. But be creative. There's there's all sorts of knickknacks and things like that that can easily be put together to show someone you care about them. So do that. For me. We are going to be having a home-cooked steak dinner with a side of asparagus and twice-baked potatoes. And yes, there will be bacon on them potatoes. Now, walk me through this. Um, I have a a couple of follow-ups. Let's talk about the cooking. Are you going to be cooking the meal entirely, or is it going to be a, a romantic exercise? I don't know what a, how a romantic exercise isn't cooking. Well, no, I, I, my point is, are you both going to cook it together or are you going to be like, sit down, little lady, I'm cooking you dinner tonight because 
the latter. I'm I'm going to say okay. it just like that. Sit down, little lady. I mean, hey, I don't know how your guys' uh, relationship works, but um, I've so I, I've done the home cooked meal in the past. This year, I'm going with the classic, taking taking my lady out for a nice a nice dinner. Uh, we're going to an Asian. It's actually Asian Latin fusion restaurant. It's it's relatively new in town. Very excited about that. Uh, now, as far as as gift giving goes, uh, I am classically a flowers man, and that will continue to be the case. But in addition, we we each have gotten each other uh, chocolates, kind of like a twenty five thirty dollar kind of thing. Uh, I got her gloves, which is a very romantic gift, and I actually gave them to her today early because it's supposed to snow a lot tomorrow, and I figured it would be a good idea for her to have them. And then, of course, there's always the handwritten card. Pro tip to everyone out there. If you buy a card from the like the grocery store or something, that's a nice gesture. The important thing is what's written on the inside of it. I've been told that I really kill it in the card writing game. But you know what? It's it's not all that difficult. to To use the ultimate cliche, you just have to speak from the heart. And if you're spending time with this person on Valentine's Day, chances are you feel a certain way about them. And it's it's not that hard to write that down. And, it, and for me, it's, it's easier to write it down than it is to say it a lot of the time. So it's, it's kind of a good opportunity for you for you to do that. I do want to ask you one uh, additional question, uh, tactic, which is, have you ever had the experience? Uh, because I have. I, I had a girlfriend years ago. Shout out to my ex-girlfriend from high school. I'm not going to say your name. You know who you are her birthday was on valentine's day have you ever had this experience i have not had this experience however our anniversary is shortly thereafter valentine's day and that's why i'm doing the home-cooked meal on valentine's day and then taking her out on the actual anniversary now the other thing that i'm doing is i'm taking her to the most romantic movie that is in theaters birds of prey (laughs) no no sonic (laughs) Sonic the Hedgehog is, wow, is out wow. for release on February 14th. That's exactly why they, they slated it for this release date is because they knew how sensual uh, Sonic is. Uh, um, yeah. So are you going on opening night to that? Are you going Friday night to that? Yeah, that's the way it works out. And and specifically wow. where the romance is really manifested from is the appearance of Jim Carrey on the large screen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're absolutely right about that. Um, I feel like that's not what our plan is, but I feel like I've missed an opportunity. Are you, is home cooked a meal? Is that your typical, I feel like I'm just interviewing you about Valentine's Day, but this is good content. The listeners are going to love this. Is home cooked meal your typical go-to? Or do you kind of mix it up year year after year? For Valentine's Day, that, that is my go-to. This year, okay. um, I'm going to brace the brace for the elements and try to see if I could uh, get a nice grilled steak. Oh wow! Okay, get like a foreman grill, man, like a griddle. Nah, uh, it's, it's it's about the level of caring. So now I tend to myself. I I have done the home cooked meal once or twice, but overall. I am a restaurant's man, pretty much, pretty much through and through. And the reason for that is pretty simple. I'm not a good cook, guys. And I know, I know it's the effort that counts, but tell that to a lady who's chewing on a steak that tastes like a shoe mm. and she's not going to hear you. So yeah, we just kind of wanted to kind of shout out Valentine's Day and uh, uh, make sure you're all prepared. Make those dinner reservations, fellas, if you are a going out kind of person. And uh, get your tickets to Sonic because... That's going to be the hot, <laughs> the steamy Valentine's Day event of 2020. I'm literally envisioning uh, Nerd Bomber and I are literally the only adults in the theater. 
And you know what? There's nothing more romantic than being the only adults in the theater surrounded by children. We're going to have to, I'm going to check back with you, with hopefully both of you, uh, hope, assuming Nerdbomber is feeling better um, next week to see how that goes, which brings me to my last question, which is, let's say on Valentine's Day, Nerdbomber is still sick. Is there a contingency in place? You don't have to say what it is if you want it to be a surprise. But have that's, you thought about that? That's kind of the beauty of the home-cooked meal, right? She won't have yeah. to go out. She won't have to be in public. And in the movie theater, you're basically in sweatpants and a hoodie, so no one really questions it. So right, but what if she... If I'm, I'm saying she's, like, at death's door. She can't even get out of bed. Like, she's vomiting. Well, from How the, do you splice that up? From the nerd bomber I've been dealing with, as I said, the... I could do this to Brooklyn Smoker. She'll be... She'll be a, the one pushing through the door so a trooper okay fair enough i'm not i'm not worried about such a scenario well that's good well i I will be checking in with you next week and maybe you can check in with me to see how my dinner went but uh for now we are going to move on and before we move on to what we've been up to uh, i do want to shout out our fantastic patreon producer mr ben checkness so we've been shouting out ben for it feels like forever now and that's because he is a fantastic and loyal patron patron to our cause ben supports us at uh, the highest of our three levels of support on patreon which is the night level and as a result he gets a producer credit on every episode he gets input into our weekly game segment and uh, he also gets access to our monthly secret segment and our monthly vlog if you do not want to support us at the night level because you figure you are not as cool as Ben, that is reasonable. Ben is super cool. Uh, we do have a second level of support, which is known as the Squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And then, of course, there is also the Lowly Page level of support, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So uh, if you are interested in supporting us and what we do, we love doing this. Um, and any little bit of support helps, you can head on over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for more of the information so let's dive into what we've been up to and this will maybe be slightly abbreviated because there's only two of us this week and not three of us but uh tactic do you want to do you want to start us off today sure thing so i have been in binge city we starting friday just have gone hard on watching the show the good place and first and foremost, I want to give a shout out to Nerd Bomber for making my favorite moment of said show possible. So we've transitioned from Brooklyn Nine-Nine to mm. The Good Place. And at the end of every episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, text comes, comes across the screen and it goes, from Leon. However, in The Good Place, the text comes across the screen, but no one says from You have a hard time saying from I, I do. Um, however... Nerd Bomber has made it possible that at the end of every episode, I look over at her and she says the infamous quote, I'm going to, here we go, from Elon. Nailed it. Nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. So that has made every episode very entertaining for me. And that's not even the content on the show. I'm very much enjoying the show. There is a lot to unpack there, which we'll save for a later cast show thingamadoo. Um, but I do recommend it if you did enjoy Brooklyn Nine-Nine and shows like The Office. Um, there's some of the same writers across the board. I think even Community has some. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the guy's name is. He also worked on Parks and Recreation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of a community there. I have watched Good Place. I have I stopped it for two seasons because I felt that the show was in a bit of a decline. But again, you mentioned that you're going to be talking about Good Place on a different show, so we don't have to get into the details of that. 
The one Anything thing I will say is the most annoying actor in the world. He was the boyfriend for a little bit of time for Rosa. He appears on this show as well. He's literally everywhere. I don't understand why they keep I don't. So here's we, we this we should unpack because I like Jason Matsukas. You don't he's, like Jason Matsukas? He's just so, as the kids say, extra. And I just okay, he is extra. I mean, on Brooklyn Nine Nine especially, I, I I feel like this is tough because I feel like the characters that he plays on both of those shows are designed to be obnoxious. It's every and, show. It's every show. But if but if, but if you can if you can respect his ability as an actor to play one make, role, well, to, no, to make you hate him. And it seems like he does that. And when I, to me, I'm like, wow, he's a good actor. I mean, I don't know. I also think his, I especially think his part in Brooklyn Nine-Nine is pretty funny. He plays Adrian Pimento, I think is his name, yeah. in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I, I have um, a feeling that it, his storyline with how he got into acting is very similar to that, to that of Michael Sarah, where he wasn't supposed to be there and just kind of showed up and they're like, okay, I guess this is a, a character you could be, but really it's his normal personality and he's not actually acting. He's just being him. I think, you know, I have a theory that, that that's true of a lot of actors. I think there are a lot of actors who are typecast because that's just who they are as people. And Michael Sarah is a great example. Perhaps Jason Matsukas is another one. I also, I listened to a fantastic podcast uh, that Jason Matsukas is on to shout out another podcast. Uh, How did this get made? It's about bad movies. And he is a regular on that show. Speaking of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, to, to kind of transition into, into my update, season seven has begun, and the update there is that that show is just fantastic. It is, it is still so good. Uh, the premiere was a double episode. Both episodes were really fantastic, featured a lot of really great Captain Holt content. Um, so best I'm gonna character. Be really, he's the best character. He's unbelievable. So I'm going to be looking forward to, uh, it's actually Friday nights because it airs on Thursday, but I don't have cable because I'm a millennial. So it comes on Hulu Friday nights. I'm going to be looking forward to Friday nights. And I kind of was before because that's like the beginning of the weekend. But now especially, I'm really going to be looking forward to it. Other things that I have done. Uh, I'm working through Metroid Prime 2 Echoes, uh, having finished Metroid Prime 1. Uh, Prime 2 is is longer. I think it's more difficult. So I think I mentioned when I did my run of Prime, uh, I only died one time. And it was right near the very end. It was the second to last boss. Uh, and Prime 2, I'm, I think, 40% of the way through the game. And I've already died uh still just once but uh i was i was surprised and i was chagrined maybe i've lost a step as a gamer Um, i would be so upset to be that far in and then die the first time oh it it absolutely killed me especially since if you've played metroid prime hit me up on twitter and let's talk about meta ridley because just a really annoying boss for no reason but i'm i'm working through prime 2 uh it's really fantastic still it's they're they're great games um they haven't aged a day in my eyes or if they have aged they've aged like fine wine the last thing i do want to mention uh is i saw a movie this weekend 1917 uh which of course uh at the oscars it managed to pick up a few awards best cinematography and best visual effects i believe they were um which makes sense because it's a very very visually at least it's a very very impressive movie plot wise not a whole lot to write home about but it's one of those movies that if it's similar to birdman if you've seen it where it looks as though it was shot in one continuous shot which is a hell of an accomplishment in editing and cinematography even when it's not done as well as it was done with 1917 so i would definitely recommend that it was a good watch uh you know again plot wise it's a war movie you really know what you're going to get but visually it's 
um, it's fairly unique. So just wanted to shout that out quick. I do want to mention one more thing, actually. You know what I've been watching? I don't know, Tactic, if you have any experience with this. On YouTube lately, you ever watch people speedrun video games? Yes. And it's frustrating how, how good they are, slash it is that they're incredible. kind of cheating in some of the instances. Well, see, yeah, so there's there's a lot of cheating. And, you know, we should talk about this on, on like, as a main topic on an episode at some point. Because I've been watching, like, one of the ones I've been watching is, like, you watch people speedrun Super Mario 64, which we're going to talk about N64 later for the quiz. But this is insane. I mean, they, they get 120 stars in, like, an hour 40 minutes. And like you said, there's a lot of it that's, they're cheating, right? They're clipping through walls and they're suddenly zooming to the other side of the level. And like, you're like, that's not all that impressive. But there are other moments where the jumps that they're doing. Oh yeah, you have to time everything perfectly. It is unbelievable. And they're timing cycles of like certain things in the level that oscillate. So they don't like, it, it, it requires an insane amount of skill. And I have to admit, like I, it, they're, I've played Super Mario 64. I know exactly what's going to happen, but like it's magnetic to watch these guys work. And uh, actually the first thing that got me watching these was there's also a lot of people that speed run uh, Metroid Prime. And again, same thing where there are certain moments where they're clipping out of the level and they're, you know, and that's not as interesting. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see that it can be done, but there's a little bit less skill associated with that. But then there are other things that they do that it's just, I don't even understand how you figure out you can do that. It, it's it's legitimately a world-class talent. Um, so if you have the time, if you have an hour and 40 minutes and you don't feel like watching a movie, watch someone speedrun Super Mario 64. I implore you. Uh, so anyways, that's, that's it for my update. Um, I do want to give an update on Fantasy Movie League because as I said, I actually set a lineup this week. Um, it did not help me. That is the short answer. Um, Congratulations to Hipster Pop Geek who smartly played a he lot of Nitro Seventeen. Or she, He's, they are good. He, he or she uh, clearly has their act together when it comes to Fantasy Movie League. I believe they're first in the overall, but we'll get to that. Um, this week they came in first with sixty-five and a half million, just about. A nerd bomber barely missed the top spot, uh, sixty-five, just a hair over sixty-five. Um, Mecha Yoda in third, which again just a hair over sixty-five, so a very tight top three there. Then we drop down to our good friend Ben Checkness at just about 60 million, Florida Hawk at 59, Devin Reed at 57, Spitfire at 57, just a little shy at 57, uh, and then is me with 56. And right below me, uh, you, my good sir, Tactic. Yeah, you beat uh, me. It must feel good. 55 and a half. You know, it doesn't feel bad. I'll say that much. Uh, we both played, it looks like a lot of people played Birds of Prey, but. Um, that may have been a mistake on my end. I played a lot of Parasite because I knew it was going to do well at the Oscars and I had a feeling people would go see it in advance of the Oscars. That clearly did not work very well. Um, rounding out the top 10, Secret Asian Man with just a hair over 31 uh, did not play a full Cineplex. So let's take a look at the overalls uh, so I can see how badly I'm doing. Uh, Hipster Pop Geek, as I mentioned, in the top spot with 556 million. Uh, three wins on the season as we move into week seven of the 10-week season. Tactic, second place, 528. A very comfortable lead over the third place Nerd Bomber with 509, just about. So you're looking good to at least get the silver medal, uh, maybe in these last few weeks if you really... Uh, that's only a one-week margin, really. Well, I guess time will tell. Um, Florida Hawk at 481, and uh, Devin Reed rounding out the top five with just about 470. Um, 
so again, if you want to hear your name uh, read on the podcast uh, and you want to get involved in Fantasy Movie League because it's super fun, you can head over to FantasyMovieLeague.com and look up our league, which is the Online Warriors podcast. It's a locked league, but the password is podcast all lowercase. We are in... I can never remember. It's either season three or season four of having done this. Uh, they run 10 week seasons and each week uh, you fill a cineplex with eight movies based on a budget and each movie has a price. Um, and essentially you see who gets the highest box office total every week. Uh, it's a lot of fun, especially when you're good at it, which I am not. Um, Tectic is really carrying the flag for the actual recording team here. So the squad. Um, we'll see how he finishes out the season. But again, if you want to get in on this, um, now might be a good time to at least test the waters as we close out, uh, this, this, this existing season. And that way you can get ready, um, for the new season coming up, I believe on March should be about March 13th, 14th. Uh, and then you can hit the ground running. So head on over and check that out. Now, uh, we're going to have to do the quiz a little bit differently this week, uh, because of course, uh, we are missing the lovely nerd bomber. So, Tactic, essentially the way you're gonna, we're going to be doing this is you're going to be playing against yourself. Um, I hope I win. I am going to ask you, I don't have the qu- list of questions in front of me. I'm going to be coming up with a lot of these on the fly, but I'm going to be asking you seven questions. If you get four of them right, you will win and you will get to host the quiz next week. If you don't, uh, you lose and I will be hosting again next week. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, happen. your, your head's you, already inflating you can't let that happen um i like where you i like that you're motivated because otherwise this wouldn't be very interesting uh let's get into it as i mentioned before uh the topic this week is nintendo 64 all things nintendo 64 so um again i'm gonna be kind of doing this on the fly but question one is kind of a price is right style question uh although we can't do a price is right style because you're not playing against anybody so let's say uh plus or minus two years when what you in what year was the nintendo 64 released 1988 okay so not even close uh so that's so uh you're starting off with with a with a big red x uh this came out uh in japan june 23rd 1996 north america september 29th 1996 and then in europe and australia was actually 1997 it felt like um, it's been around for so long by the time i got my hands on it though i, I it wasn't see, around I re- that long i was gonna say i remember very vividly uh i didn't get it for i think my older brother got it for his birthday and he was he would have been six or seven um so i i remember that very well but uh you should use that to uh, help you out with the next question. I'm kind of giving you a little bit of help here. Um, when was it discontinued worldwide? Same thing, uh, plus or minus two years. Let's see how you do with this one. These are tough questions. Prices wire style, or it has to be within that window? P- plus or minus two years. It can't be prices right style because okay. you're not playing against anybody um let's go 2005 Ooh, uh, you just missed it it's 2002 <laughs> discontinued april 30th 2002 i said plus minus two i can't i can't help you there i can't give you that um but the good news is i can kind of i can uh start tailoring this to you and for the upcoming questions i can help you out a little bit more with the margins so uh the next question very similar numerical question um 
Let's talk about the number of units sold worldwide. Uh, I will give you plus or minus 7 million, which in and of itself is a hint. Plus or minus 7 million on this. I'm going to go 543 million. <laughs> 33 million. <laughs> Do you think every person in the world has a has a Nintendo 64? I mean, 543 million, that's if you gave every single person in America N64 and then, I don't know, picked, uh, what, 200, 300 million other people in the world. Um, so, okay, you're not doing great here. Nope. We're, we're, we're three questions in and you've gotten three wrong, which means you have to get the next four questions right uh, to even have a chance. Um. Not great, but let's continue. Uh, the best-selling game on the Nintendo 64... GoldenEye. Uh, what, well, I didn't ask what the game was. That would be too hard. Also, it's not GoldenEye, so good thing that wasn't the question. It was Super Mario 64. Super Mario um, 64. Uh, how many units did that sell? Now, bear in mind, I'm going to try and help you out here. 33 uh, million units sold. 33 million consoles sold. I'm going to give you plus minus 5 million here. I'm going to go f- half of that with... F- let's go 18 million. It's 12 million. <laughs> um, uh, to keep this interesting, I'm going to give it to you because you've been very close in the margins a couple of times here. Um, and I want to keep this going, so I'm going to give you that. Um, you got, you got to, you got to toughen up here, though. Uh, what was the initial suggested retail price in U.S. dollars of the Nintendo 64? And I will give you plus minus fifty dollars. One ninety nine ninety nine. Okay, you got that one exactly. So I didn't have to give you any margin at all. Uh, it initially retailed for $200, which, you know, I don't know anything about inflation or anything like that. Uh, what does a console go for nowadays, a new console? I mean, the Switch the switch right now is $300. So when you think about it, that's a bargain. Um, how many games uh, did the N64 launch with? I'm going to give you plus minus two on this one. It launched with seven games. Okay, that's a big swing and a miss. Uh, it launched with only three games, and actually, but I in the United so States, confident, didn't I? <laughs> you did. You did sound extremely confident. Uh, in the United States, it actually only launched with two, but um, it launched with three worldwide because there was one that was exclusive to Japan. Uh, Super Mario sixty four uh, was, of course, one of them. Pilot Wings sixty four, which I've never heard of, and uh, in Japan, Psycho Habu Shogi, which. Don't ask me what that is. How can I forget about Saikyo Habu Shogi? Damn it. Um, now, uh, you, you've lost. Uh, because yeah, that's that correct. Was, that was your fourth miss. However, let's do this last one for fun because this one is a little bit different than the others. It's not a numerical question. Um, I'm going to give you five chances to name the last game produced for the N64. The final game. It came out in 2002. Crazy Taxi, not Crazy Taxi. Um, uh, uh, the one with the clown and the ice cream truck. <sighs> I don't know what game you're referring to, but 
It's not that one. I'm gonna count that. I'm gonna count that as a guess. Um, I'll give you a hint. You, I'm fairly certain you've played this game before. We've talked about it on the podcast. Every time you get one wrong, I'm gonna give you a hint. How about that? Super Smash Brothers. Uh, no, that's a pretty good guess, though. I think that probably would have come out earlier, but I honestly don't know. Um, Star Fox Adventure. Okay, that's your third guess. I was gonna give you a hint, but it's Golden Eye. That's guess four. Do you want a hint before you get your last guess? Yes. Okay. Sports. Madden. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you a six, guys, because that clue was really crappy. Extreme sports. Radical. Gnarly. Tony Hawk? Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Really? Was the final N64 card ever made. I didn't know they made that N64. Exactly, because they, they, they came out and they right away, the Nintendo was like, all right, shut it down. Shut down the N64. It might be a rare item for all I know. Um, I have a lot of other facts here that we didn't get to um, that are that are fairly interesting, but that they were hard to ask in this context. Um, apparently, uh, at the end of World War II, South Korea banned Japanese cultural imports, meaning the N64 was banned. Uh, but because of that, um, it was rebranded as the Comboy 64 and sold by Hyundai. That's right, Hyundai, the car company. How many Comboys were sold? Uh, I don't have that information uh, in front of me at this point. Um, that was just one. That was probably the most interesting fact other than the ones that I mentioned. Um, also that the number that I uh, mentioned about how many units had sold just under two thirds of that actually sold in North and South America. You would think more would be in Japan. Um, but Japan tends to go in for RPGs, which was really not N64's shtick. So, uh, there you have it. I have Um, a question for you. How many kids got arthritis from that weird controller geometry? You know, actually, this is, it's funny that you mentioned this. Uh, there was another fact that I had. Let me see if I can find it. Um, yeah, this, and this is, uh, some of these are from the factsite.com, which sounds extremely bogus, but I'm taking it as, as, at face value at this point. Um, apparently, uh, many, uh, have you ever played Mario Party on the N64? Yeah. So if you've played that, you know what this is about. Many of the mini games in Mario Party required players to use the analog stick, most often with the palm of their hands, which would sometimes cause the players to get blisters on their hands. After a successful lawsuit against Nintendo, Nintendo was legally required to give gloves to players with the game as a safety precaution. I never got a pair of gloves. I must have been pre-lawsuit that I got that game. But that's crazy. You literally had like a burn mark in the palm from some of those mini games. Oh yeah, the, the, I'm trying to think. It wasn't there one where you had to puff. You had to, um, well, no, pumping up Bowser was was not a control stick one. But I, yeah, I remember. Oh, the fishing one. That was a, that was one where you had to really get the control stick going. In any case, Mario Party, fantastic game. N64, fantastic console, and um, this was a fantastic uh, sausage fest of an episode. I had a great time chatting with you, man, um, and we hope you all had a great time listening. Uh, if you liked what you listened to, you can, again, hit us up on the social meds. I already mentioned all the accounts um, earlier in the episode. If you uh, want to leave us a review, you can head over to Apple Podcasts and, and, and hit us up there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and in general, um, keep on listening. We appreciate you all, and we'll see you next week, hopefully back at full strength. Bye.